The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. What's up, everyone? We are back. Aaron, we are back again with another episode of the Punt and Pass podcast. Welcome in, and thank you so much for tuning in every single day this week. Aaron, we, we put the gauntlet down. We said if the dogs and Bama made it into the national championship, we were going to do a show every single day. And, of course, we are men of our word. So here we are. Last night at Sweetwater Brewery, Brewery, excuse me, we did another live podcast, and it was awesome, dude. It was great meeting a lot of fans who listened to Punt and Pass, a lot of dog fans. A few Alabama fans were sprinkled in there. We had some special guests. We had Danny Cannell come on the podcast. That was a lot of fun. So thanks so much to all of our friends at Sweetwater and everybody who is juiced up, amped up for this national championship weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Speaking of live podcasts, Aaron, Tomorrow, at Big Sky in Buckhead, Aaron and I will be doing brunch at 12.30, another live podcast where we will be giving out our entire prediction, score prediction, gambling lines, over-under, on the game. So that's the big one. Come out to Big Sky on Sunday at 12.30 and hang with Aaron and I for brunch in a live Punt and Pass podcast. I know for a fact we'll have some special guests there. Tavares King, maybe. Is that right, Aaron? You're nodding your head. Yes. The New York Giants receiver, former Georgia great, will be there, and I'm sure we can get some other guys. Holler at us on social media, at Punt and Pass. Aaron's at Marie 11 I am at Drew Butler 13 and we're doing it, man. We're grinding. How are you feeling? Doing good, man. It's Saturday. We're feeling good. It's bright and early. It's a beautiful day. Yes. And I, I want to play weatherman a little bit right okay. now. Okay. It's gone down a little bit. I think it's 40% chance of rain on Monday. It was 90% for the majority of the week. So it's looking better. Hopefully yes. it kind of continues to dwindle and maybe we'll get to 20%, 10%. I, I would love, and I know this isn't going to happen because it is a little colder. It is supposed to, to warm up a little bit, but Going back to that SEC championship game, it was beautiful. Oh, it that was entire perfect. weekend was gorgeous. The weather was perfect. If we can somehow find a way to get that rolling yes. a little bit for that for the game Monday. I know it's indoors, but I just think everyone wants to enjoy it. We talked a, a little bit about it yesterday because we were downtown around all the activities. It, it, there's just so much going on that you don't want to hinder it by bad weather, by making people stay inside the tailgate, missing the concerts, missing all the fun activities. So like I said, I'm going to play weatherman a little bit. I'm just as accurate as, as these guys. Yes. I'm going to give you a 50-50 chance, but it's looking a little You're bit much better, better right looking. Now. You're much better looking than all those yeah. guys on TV. So 
weatherman Aaron. Okay, you said fun things, and then you said cold. Two things about that. Fun things. Laura Rutledge joins us today on the podcast. She is on the SEC Network. She is on the Paul Feinbaum Show, and you'll see her on ESPN often. Laura crushed that interview. I don't want to sound like I didn't expect a lot, but what I expected, she blew it out of the water, Aaron. You and I were looking at each other like, holy cow. I think she knows more football than I do. She probably doesn't know more football than you do. Um, yeah, but, but you're a kicker, so I know. we'll give you a little we'll give okay. you a break. Listen, I don't I don't like it when you uh, don't pump yourself up over here. I mean, yeah, I tell you what, you are probably issues. all the kickers I know. It's very few of them because you guys are very odd. It's like you and Cairo <laughs> Santos. You definitely know more football. That's probably because he's from Brazil and didn't yes. start watching football. He knows a different until type he of moved football. to the states. So, yeah, well, he that's knows cool. The real football. Yeah. So Laura Rutledge, her interview is awesome. Stay tuned for that. And then you mentioned the cold weather. It's cold outside. So last night after we were at Sweetwater, I uh, went to a little celebratory dinner with my wife and my family. We had some friends in town from Chicago, the work family. So we went to Davio's. Awesome northern Italian restaurant right there in Buckhead. You know, had a few glasses of wine. Why not relax a little bit, get the weekend started off. And Jackie's pregnant, so she's driving home. And we get on Peachtree Road. It's about 17 degrees outside. And she says, why is my caution light on in my car? I go, I don't know. Press the info button. Flat tire. So handyman Drew, and I say that extremely sarcastically because I am not handy at all, had to get out of the car, fight through a flat tire. Um... Thank God for my brother-in-law, Patrick Sugar, who went to Georgia Tech, but he is a handyman. So, oh, it took about 45 minutes, Aaron, to replace a flat tire. So everybody can make fun of me for that. But getting to the important things, all right? The theme of today's podcast is the number one, okay? I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, and in turn, I will answer the questions that I ask you as well. But the theme is one, all right? I want one thing here. I want one player there. I want one statistic here. I want one play there. We'll jump right into it. All right, Aaron, what is the one thing Georgia must do to win this game? And we asked a lot of our interviewees this question, but I want your answer. You're the most important. What's the one thing on Monday night that Georgia must do to win the game? Play disciplined football. I think that is the one thing. If you want to go back to the Auburn game, it just was that's that's what happened. They were unchar- un- uncharacteristic uh, with the penalties, with the some other turnovers going right, on. Right. You go back, it's just the, the holding penalties, the unnecessary roughness, the jumping over to block the punt, getting a penalty on that, the fumble on the punt return. Sony Michelle later on the game, once again, another undisciplined play, um, hitting a guy late. So just stuff like that that really just unraveled the team. It's those hidden yardages. You know, hitting yards when it's third and long and all of a sudden you have a holding penalty or you jump off sides and you give a team a first down or you get a big play, but it's only turned around because you had a holding penalty yourself. So those plays right there. Uh, and, and that's the reason why they lost. That's probably the worst I've seen Georgia play all yeah. year. Obviously, that's why they lost that football game versus Auburn. But when you play great teams, you can't kill yourself. You can't shoot yourself in the foot with penalties, with turnovers. So. If they play disciplined football, which I'm sure they're being harped all week because this Alabama football team, they've been the most disciplined football team the last 10 years. And that's why they win football games. They don't turn it over. They play smart. They play aggressive. They don't commit stupid penalties. Uh, and if you want to match that, you have to bring the intensity, but you also have to be smart. For and sure. So that's going to be the key for these guys if they want to compete with Alabama during this game. 
That's a great point. I didn't even think about that, but that's exactly what we said after Georgia lost to Auburn. We were like, how uncharacteristic of them. Not only the penalties that they had, the turnovers that they were forced into, but the possession penalties, right, Aaron? The fourth down penalties that resulted in first downs for Auburn. The third down penalties that negated first downs. It was extremely uncharacteristic, and they've done a very good job in the weeks afterwards to fix those things and correct it during game time because you can correct it during practice all you want obviously you got to do it when the whistle blows and it matters so hey if Georgia does that certainly it gives them a better chance to win my one thing Georgia must do to win on Monday night you know I always say Aaron football is a simple game I'm not going to overcomplicate things I've been saying this all week long Georgia must win first down Okay, they've got to get into third and manageable. Is it a three yard run? Is it a four yard dump pass? Okay, do not take sacks on first down, right? Do not get stalled at the line of scrimmage on first down. Win first down. You said it last night, okay, when we were talking about Georgia and their rushing yards per play. Georgia's been getting about six, Alabama's been letting up about one and a half. I asked you if Georgia runs for three yards of play in the national championship game, do they win? And you made a great statement and said, well, how many does Alabama run for per play? Okay. Georgia must win first down. If they get into third and manageable, Jake Fromm and Jim Chaney are the most comfortable they can be in the playbook. It opens up a lot of options for them. And then the running backs can get involved in the passing game. And Alabama's defense has to stay true. So Aaron said, play disciplined I said win first down Georgia must do those two things to win on the flip side what must Alabama do the one thing Alabama has to do to win on Monday night oh man I tell you what they they know how to play football and I think they played amazing football versus Clemson I think they have to do what they did versus Clemson is get some turnovers I I just don't think their offense is that dynamic that exciting gonna bring uh, that much uh, to be able to move the ball up and down the football field against a very good Georgia defense. And everyone says, well, look at last week and look what Oklahoma did to Georgia's defense. They ran right up through them the majority of the game besides maybe the third quarter and, and, and into the beginning of the fourth quarter. But Oklahoma's offense is probably the best, if not one of the best offenses in the country uh, and that we've seen the past few years. I mean, they got the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. They have a really good running back, great receivers, great tight end, probably one of the best offensive lines. And they're just very, very dynamic. And in this Alabama offense, I know they're averaging a lot of points per game, but they're not dynamic. They're not exciting. The reason they get so many points is because they get great field position because they play great defense. And then they get points off of defensive turnovers as well. So for them to be able to compete and win this football game, they're going to have to find a way to one, get Georgia three and outs get great field position yep. where they're having a short field to be able to drive maybe 50, 60 yards. And then also find a way to create some turnovers, get an interception, get a pick six, get a strip sack fumble. And I think that's going to come when you put Georgia in third and long situations. If you put Georgia in a third and eight to third and 11, and they have to pass the ball, you know, get a pass about 12 to 15 yards down the field. Jake Fromm's having to take a five step drop in the pocket. I think that's when you're going to see Alabama get creative with blitzes, 
get after Jake Fromm, maybe knock it out of his hands yeah. and also force him to make bad decisions in the passing game because those windows against Alabama are going to be tight. You saw it last week versus Clemson. They, their secondary is just too fast. Uh, you see a window one second, boom, that window's closed the next yeah. second. I think Jake Fromm does a great job of throwing the ball with anticipation, but those guys are speedy. So if they're able to get some early turnovers, rattle the young quarterback, maybe create some points off of that, I think that will get that team rolling. But like I alluded to, I just don't think their offense is going to be able to move the ball up and down the field against this Georgia defense. I would agree with you, and you took the words right out of my mouth. So now I have to go in a different direction. Call an audible, as they say in football. People, we are real. We are candid on punt and pass. I just send Aaron the script. I don't tell him what I'm going to answer. So Aaron says force turnovers pretty much affect Jake Fromm is what I was going to say. But now I have to pivot. And... I just said it. I'm going to simplify things for everybody. When you walk into Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Monday or you're watching with all your friends and family on the TV, just repeat what I say and you'll sound extremely smart. Now here you can call me boring, Aaron. That's totally fine, but I'm going to be right. The one thing Alabama must do to win is win the line of scrimmage. Block and tackle better than Georgia. If they do those two things, if they block well on the offensive line and tackle effectively on the defensive line, Georgia is going to be in a world of trouble. I can't tell you how many games that I've played in, not only in college, but in the NFL as well, where you're in a Saturday night meeting, okay? You got a big game on Sunday, playoff implications, or it's a big conference game in the SEC, and the coaches look at the team and say, Whoever wins this game is the team that blocks better, tackles better, and wins the turnover battle. So we just said it, Aaron. You said Alabama's got to win the turnover battle, affect Jake Fromm. I say Alabama has to win the line of scrimmage. If they do not win the line of scrimmage, Georgia wins this football game. Alabama must do that. If they block better than Georgia on the offensive line, tackle better than Georgia on the defensive line, Alabama's going to win, and it's going to be a long night for Georgia. Okay, next question. Keeping up with the ones, right? Because it's the one punt and pass podcast. Who's the one unsung hero that comes out of the game for each team? Unsung hero. Now, I know we've covered both these teams a lot, so we're pretty familiar with just about every single player on the field. Who is the one unsung hero for Georgia? And then I want your Alabama pick as well. I'm not going to go with a player right here. I'm going to go with a unit. Okay. And I think this unit has gotten a lot of attention all year for, for the dogs uh, the offensive line, these guys are going to have a tough task. It's going to be noisy. It's going to be extremely hostile in this environment. It's going to be 50-50, maybe 55-45, but Alabama fans travel extremely well. For They're sure. not too far away, so it is going to be uh, right down the middle, and it's going to be equally as loud when Georgia's on offense as when Alabama's on offense. So those guys are going to have to stay disciplined. They're not going to they – they can't jump off sides. They can't hold – they have to be able to create some running lanes against a very stout front seven, a healthy Alabama defense. I mean, yeah. if this was an Alabama defense a month and a half ago, I say our guys have are the Georgia Bulldogs. Their offensive line has a better chance of being able to move those guys, yeah. creating some run lanes, helping Jake from in the pocket. But as we saw last week against Clemson, this is a healthy, extremely healthy def Alabama defense. They're pissed off from all the talk that's been happening these past two months about this is probably the worst Alabama defense, probably the worst Alabama team we've seen in years. Uh, they took it to they took it offense to that and they came out and showed it uh, a week ago. So this offensive line is going to have to play the best game of their life because we go back to that yep. loss first. All no question. They had a terrible game. They couldn't protect Jake from in the pocket. 
they weren't able to open up running lanes. So if they're able to execute, be able to, like I said, just have the game of their life, the best game of the season. I think they've proven they can do it. Yes. They need to do it the biggest stage on Monday night. All right, Alabama. Who's the unsung hero for Alabama? Ooh, unsung hero for uh, – I think it's going to have to be Jalen Hurts for this game. Man. Really? I think it's yeah. going to be Jalen Hurts' arm. Okay. His arm. Because he's known for the legs, being able to get out of the pocket, create third and third and three, third and seven, whatever it is. Everyone's dropping back in coverage. They forget about the quarterback. All of a sudden, he's getting those sneaky first downs. But I think it's his arm. His arm is going to have to win this football game for them because Georgia knows it. Kirby Smart faced a very athletic quarterback last year in the national championship in Deshaun Watson. He understands what it takes to stop a guy after playing him. He's like, man, I got to figure this out because Deshaun Watson carved me up with his legs. He carved me up with his arm. So I'm sure they've been working on this all off season, all year. How do we stop a mobile quarterback? Cause we're going to have to face one. I thought they did a great job of containing Baker Mayfield. Uh, He's no, he's no Jalen hurts. Baker Mayfield is going to send the pocket a little bit longer. He's going to go through his reads where you got Jalen Hurts, he's the guy who goes from one, maybe to two, and then he's going to take off. But I would love to see Jalen stay a little bit more calm in the pocket, get through his reads a little bit more, a little bit easier, trust his place. You know, there's too many plays I see with him. He's kind of just picking one guy out saying, hey, I'm going to throw to him. He's not going through the reads of the play. So be comfortable in the pocket, my friend. Relax. Trust your arm before your legs a little bit. And if he's able to complete – 65% 65% of his passes, maybe Ooh. throw one touchdown, two touchdowns, no yeah. interceptions. I think Alabama will win that game. That's a great pick. So you went <clears throat> unit-wise, offensive line for Georgia, unsung hero if they win, and Jalen Hurts' arm. You went body part for the unsung hero on the Alabama side. My unsung hero for Georgia. This may not come as a surprise, Aaron. I'm going with Cam Nizelik. I'm going with the punter. If Cam Nizelik has a great game and limits return yardage on Alabama's side, okay, Georgia will win the field position battle and they will make that average at best Alabama offense go 80 plus yards time and time again. I think if you had to put a prop bet on it, there are going to be over 15 punts in this game total. So you're looking at Cam Nislick and J.K. Scott, Alabama's punter, getting on the field seven, eight times apiece if Cam Nislick has an effective game and a net average of 44 to 46 yards, which is a lot to ask, but he's been doing it. Georgia will have a great chance to win. And to combat your unit pick on the Alabama side of the ball, the unsung hero, if they win, if Alabama wins, the unsung hero for Alabama will be their linebacking core. Okay, Aaron, a group of guys that have had to battle through injury, a group of guys who have to take the next man up mentality. They do not have the experience. They do not have the wherewithal to understand what comes in a national title run. But if they are effective on the second level of Alabama's defense, much will be said about them on Tuesday morning, stepping up and proving to be a strong suit for Alabama's defense. So the one unsung hero for Georgia, if they win, Cam Nizelik the punter, and the one unsung hero for Alabama, if they win, is going to be Alabama's much maligned linebacking core. Next question. I like it. Yeah, I like man. it. Thank I like it. I like the linebacking core. I really I think you did a good job with that one. They are. They're going to have to play big. They're going to have to be able to get off blocks, shed blocks, get to tackle, and don't let a running back get four or five yards and then 
Of course, you went with a punter. Not going to disagree with that <laughs> one. I, I, I think I've been harping it all week. I completely agree with the punting. Make a make an offense that like Alabama have to drive the ball for sure. 90 yards, 85 yards, whatever it is. They're not going to be able to consistently do that. Next question. One statistic that will decide the winner on Monday. Give me one statistic that decides the winner. Oh man, uh, I'm going to go turnovers. Yeah. A team, both teams, Simplify not it. no. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy. Both teams known for not turning the ball over, and both teams are able to get turnovers defensively. So what? Something has to give. You know, someone's going to get. Someone's going to get that that pick. Someone's going to get that strip sack fumble or strip in the open field or maybe a uh, something on special teams. But who wins the turnover battle to in order to create a shorter field for their offense, or maybe even skip points off of it. Look at the Alabama last week versus Clemson, be able to get points off interceptions. Uh, so that is going to be, I think, in my opinion, the game, the, the way this game is won. who can create a shorter field by getting a turnover. Do I have to, you simplified it. And I, and I love that because I have been a big proponent of football is not that complicated. I'm just going to be boring. Make fun of me. I just said it, Aaron. The statistic that determines the winner in this game is net punting. Okay, it's going to be net punting that decides the winner of this game. And to piggyback on that, there will be one gigantic special teams play that decides the winner on Monday night. I mean, look at when Alabama beat Clemson in Glendale. It was the surprise onside kick, right? Kenyon Drake had a touchdown return on a kickoff. There will be a huge play in special teams, whether it is another 50-plus-yard field goal before halftime, whether it is a game-winning field goal, whether it is Michael Hardman getting loose and breaking off a gigantic return to flip field position. There will be a gigantic special teams play that decides the winner on Monday night, but my statistic that will determine it is net punting. So I am excited for this punter battle. I can't wait. Last question before we go to our interview with Laura Rutledge, Aaron. And this is a good one, and I'm going to go completely out of left field here. What is the one play from this season, and we'll just keep it Georgia here because I want to get to Laura. What is the one play from this season that will be remembered for Georgia and this national title run that they're on? One play, entire season. Entire season. I'll tell you yes. what, there's been a lot of great plays this season, a lot of I mean, uh, you could even say, you can even say just... Rose Bowl. You could even say Sony with the overtime. You can go low-hanging fruit right there. I, obviously, that is definitely a low <laughs> right there. I mean, uh, I think the play uh, that really got George to where they are right now, I got to go back to the SEC Championship game versus okay. Auburn. Good. You're, not, you're not taking mine. Thank you. Keep going. I'm yeah, sorry. Auburn's driving down the football field. They're winning. I think they have all the momentum. They're feeling great. Got the, the, the their fan base roaring. It's third and seven. They're inside the 20-yard line. They kick a field goal. They go up by even more. Uh, we get a strip sack fumble. Yes. We recover the football. Huge, huge play. <laughs> Completely changed the game run. At that point, Auburn, they get, they get the first down. They're probably going to score a touchdown. If not, they're going to go put another three points on the board. They're going to continue having the momentum. They're going to be feeling great. I think that play won the football game for them, brought Georgia back, gave them the momentum to get mm -hmm. rolling. And once it, once they got that, they got the ball rolling from there, they were, they were good to go. So I think that, for me, honestly, I think that that changed the tide, and that's what won them the game and got them to the playoffs. And and I, I can, I will put a hundred bucks. I know what yours is. Please tell me, because I but I bet a hundred bucks that you the don't. Swift kick. Nope, that's a good question. Oh, I know it's not. And I thought about it. I know I you thought about it, but I've been giving that play too much credit. Okay, this is even better. I'm going to Labor Day weekend. 
first weekend in September. Georgia's playing Appalachian State, and I think it was the eighth offensive play of 2017. I'm going to the play, and this is unfortunate on my end, and you can call me a bad guy, but I do wish him the best. It was the play when Jacob Easton tweaked his right knee. That is the one play that really decided what was going on this entire season. So, Jacob, I know you're healthy now. I think you'll stay. We'll talk about that tomorrow at Big Sky. Mm-hmm. I think the one play, and when the book is written on this special season, win or lose on Monday night, so much will be made of Jake Fromm's freshman season, and that all got started, unfortunately, because of Jacob Eason's injury. So the one play for me that has put this season into motion was unfortunately Jacob Eason hurting his right knee on the eighth offensive snap of 2017. I'm glad he's healthy now. That is my choice. So squib kick would probably be 1B because that got Georgia to the national championship. But I'm going with that. And I've dealt injuries. I know you have as well. I don't wish injury on anybody. But, gosh, it's hard not to argue that, Aaron. I mean, it has been a special freshman season. And from everything I've read, Jacob Eason's been an awesome teammate and been Jake Fromm's best friend along the way so sorry he's dude handled, is that does that make me a bad guy i think it does make you a bad guy i'm still gonna be your friend are you still my I, co-host listen i will still be your co-host Thank i you. think you're awesome but it's hard for me to say i don't know i don't know if it's because i've been in the situation where no i've question. been a quarterback at the university of georgia i understand the difficulties uh dealing with the fans dealing with playing all that goes into it. I mean, it is a tough, tough position to be in. You're loved that one minute and you're hated the next minute. I mean, we lost one game my junior year. My entire house got teepeed an egg, for goodness I, sake. I so you are, you are public enemy number one or you're everyone's favorite person in the world. So I just I feel bad for the for the kid. He's an unbelievable kid. And like you said, he's done such a tremendous job of just continuing to work this season, being a great teammate. I mean, I think I hope everyone just has the utmost respect uh, and appreciation for that kid of what he's gone through, how he's held his head extremely high. And I really hope next year he goes somewhere, plays, balls out, and eventually is a, is a high draft pick in the NFL draft. I do as well, and good thoughts there. Okay, so we got our ones out of the way. I thought that was really good talk. And tomorrow at Big Sky, come out and you'll get our entire prediction on the game. But right now you have to stick around because we have an awesome interview with Miss Laura Rutledge. She is from the SEC Network, the Paul Feinbaum Show, and ESPN. So, Aaron, let's throw it to this interview, and then we'll come back right after this. All right, we're going to welcome in our next guest here on the Punt and Pass podcast. We have a special guest, Aaron. She's a female guest, and I think it might be our first female guest of the year. We save it for the biggest game of the year, the national championship. It's Laura Rutledge of the SEC Network. She's also on ESPN, and a lot of people who listen to our podcast, know her from the Paul Feinbaum Show. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, It's a huge week in Atlanta, and obviously a lot of people did not want two SEC teams to make the national championship, those people, of course, not being in the Southeast. Working for the SEC Network and putting up with all of the, the SEC is so mediocre this year, they're not as strong as they have been in the past, What's it like when you're in there with everybody whose sole purpose is to push forward how good the SEC is? Because in the end, it obviously worked out for you. Yeah, you know, it's incredible. And, and I think at the end of the day, in the college football playoff era, guys, everybody talked about 
how are we going to, first of all, get the four best teams and then get the two best teams in the national championship? And in years past, the semifinals haven't been that competitive. We really didn't see a very competitive semifinal in the Alabama Clemson game, but the Rose Bowl was one for the absolute ages. Everyone will still look back on that game from years and years to come and just think of it as an instant classic. And I just think at the end of the day, what we're trying to do here, conferences aside, is to find the two best teams to compete for whoever's going to be the best team in the country. And, and I think we've got that. Now, coming into the year, I wouldn't have thought that Georgia would have been at that level. I thought they'd be a good team. I picked them to win the East. But this is incredible what Kirby Smart has done. And the fact that you lose Jacob Ethan in the first game and then uh, Jake Fromm's able to come in and do what he's done as a freshman. This guy must be lying. He is not a freshman. I don't believe it because he's just been magnificent. And uh, they've just been such a fun team to watch. And then Alabama, Alabama's scary anyway, but they're really scary when they feel like they have a chip on their shoulder and people have doubted them. Laura, Aaron Murray here. And just want to get your take. Uh, we've talked to a lot of people on the show, and, and Drew and I have very similar opinions on this, on the whole playoffs and four teams and, and, the, and the thought of maybe expanding it to eight, maybe expanding it to 12 and getting rid of conference championship games. How do you like the current system? How can it get better in years to come uh, to make it more exciting, more uh, advantageous for the for college football and for these teams that want to get into it as well? Yeah, you know, it's a real dilemma. And, and I can tell you that the college football playoff guys, they'll tell you as well, Bill Hancock kind of leading the charge there will say that they don't want to expand because they like the exclusivity of four teams. And I can see that side of it. But I think what this year did is at least show that we need to have a few more parameters in place. And who knows how long it would take them to get to that point to make those changes. But while I do believe we had the four best teams, a lot was able to be called into question because you have the whole dilemma of do conference championships matter? Do they not matter? Are teams able to just sort of sneak their way in or as some, you know, Alabama or SEC haters would say, Alabama sort of backdoored their way in. But then I think you look at what Alabama did against the number one seed in Clemson and it doesn't look like they backdoored in at all. And so I do expect to see a little bit of change from the parameters in place. And maybe they do figure out a way to expand. But you guys know this from playing the game. If we add too much time to this, if we add too many games and you're putting student athletes in a standpoint where they may be playing too many games and they may be in a scenario where they can't be healthy. And uh, I, I do think that continually we'll see that debated no matter whether expansion happens or not. I mean, you think about Alabama, they benefited by not playing in the SEC championship yeah. game. It allowed them to get healthy. And so is that really fair? Well, probably not. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You got to keep it focused on the players. That is what's most important. Okay, so you've obviously covered the SEC for much of the season. At this point, Monday night is here. The stage is set. Do you honestly think these are the two best teams in the nation? Did they get it right? I do think they got it right. And I think at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, which teams can last that way. There was a time where I thought Miami might have been one of the two best teams in the nation. And, and they looked so dominant against a Notre Dame team that before that looked like they could have been one of at least the four best teams in the country. And, and I think we all become a little bit victimized by the moment because we watch these teams and we watch these competitions. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, these kids are 17 to 22 or however old they are, and, and they're just not going to always be that consistent. So when you find teams that truly are consistent and are this talented and are going to win these one-on-one matchups day in and day out on these fields, 
those are the those are the teams that deserve to be at this point. And and while I would even throw Penn State in the mix of a team that I thought was dominant many times, and then still they had some chinks in their armor. And and that's what's so hard to weather in a college football season. And you know, a lot of people want to make it about okay, maybe the SEC is down, and maybe it's mediocre below Alabama and Georgia. And and yeah, you know, the SEC is not what it was a few years ago, right? And and a few maybe even being more than that. But a lot of that, I think, is going to change going forward because of the new influx of coaching changes in this conference. And, and I would say, too, that, you know, you look at a conference like the Big Ten, they look stronger at times this year, and yet there are no Big Ten teams in the playoff. And, and that's where I think you, you have to kind of sit around and say, okay, what ultimately ends up mattering it's teams. It's not conferences. It, yes, it matters the competition they played against, the strength of schedule and strength of record and all that jazz. But what we saw from this committee full of coaches is that they truly looked at the film and picked the four best teams. Now we've ended up with, I believe, the two best teams. Speaking of, of the SEC and maybe the weakness of the conference this year and how, how top-heavy it was, especially in the East, with all these coaching changes going around right now and all these guys moving all over the place, uh, the Florida Gators getting the a great one in Dan Mullen. How do you see it shaping up for next year? And and how much are these coaches on hot seats nowadays where they only get two, three years to really excel and, and, and really change programs around? Is it, is it really fair to them to expect that you can do that kind of thing, especially when you have the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas of the world, they're getting all these top recruits year in and year out? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because I think when we look at what's happened, you know, a lot of the coaches that did not keep their jobs this year – they were around for about five years, except for Jim McElwain, who, by the way, had won the SEC East over the last couple of years. Yeah. So that wasn't good enough for Florida, right? But, but, you know, Florida fans would tell you we're in it to be in the playoffs and win national championships. It isn't good enough to just win the East and when it's perceived to be down. So I do think that the level of patience is much shorter with fans, with athletic directors. And at the end of the day, it's all about the money that's going to be created. So if fans are going to go to the games, if they're not going to support these programs, then they really do have a role in this. I think Dan Mullen has an, an opportunity to turn things around quickly, but I don't know that anyone's catching Kirby Smart anytime soon. If that's where you look at Florida and Tennessee, specifically in the East, they really missed a big opportunity to try and capitalize when Georgia was still coming back. I don't think anybody, maybe Kirby Smart included, thought that he could get Georgia to this point this quickly. And it truly is a credit to his kids who decided to come back this year. Obviously, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, all those guys, but also the rest of his coaching staff and in him certainly as well. Uh, but now, you know, if you're Jeremy Pruitt, if you're Dan Mullen, if you're some of these other coaches in the East, you're not catching them anytime soon and you have an uphill battle to climb and it's just not going to be good enough for these programs to not win the East and then advance on to potentially the college football playoff. That's not going to change anytime soon. And, and that's why, you know, I just wonder at some point if any of this evens out or if it keeps getting worse and worse where we're just seeing a ton of changeover and these coaches' buyouts will continue to get more and more expensive which is scary from a collective standpoint. Uh, and when we go back to thinking about just the student athletes themselves, it, it's scary what it could end up becoming. No, that's a really good point, Laura. And I, I've been on record saying Kirby Smart will never have another senior class like he has this year, not only because of how deep it is and how talented it is, but these are the guys that put their hand in the pile with Kirby when he showed up. He'll never have that opportunity again. It's proven to be, very, very special. Switching gears. You went to the University of Florida, correct? 
I did. Okay, so what about, and we're talking about the fans, and we're talking about the players. That's who matters most. What about the Central Florida Knights hanging a national championship <laughs> banner and planning a parade to celebrate a national championship? Are you in on that, or are you out on that? I mean, I'm out on it from a perspective of, like, personally myself. I think it's kind of dumb. But <laughs> I would agree. what I will say, yeah, it's dumb, right, guys? Like, yes, I, I know, completely it's, it's agree. It's pretty dumb. Um, but what, what I do think, and when you look at some of these teams that are in the, you know, group of five instead of power five, like how are they ever going to truly compete? How are they ever going to truly get their names out there? And what, what UCF and Scott Frost did this year is remarkable. It really is. I mean, they have talent, but they do not have the level of talent that some of these other teams have, certainly Auburn. I mean, that, that was an incredible win for them. Uh, but, you know, I covered a lot of American games this year. And, and, yes, there's some talented guys in this conference. But overall, it's not, you know, some sort of dominant conference like you would see anywhere else. And so I understand from a PR standpoint and from a, hey, let's get everybody talking about UCF. Because, I mean, I, I grew up in, in Atlanta and in Florida I uh, spent a lot of time in the state of Florida. No one was talking about UCF. Nobody cares about UCF. Well, now everybody's talking about it. So I do think it works, and I understand it from that standpoint. But uh, just what it is on paper, I think it's kind of stupid. Looking fast forward to Monday night, just looking at this game right now, two very good teams, two very similar teams. Uh, I go back to when we played them, the SC Championship game, teams that run the ball well, eat up the clock, play great defense. You don't want to drive 75, 80 yards to score on those guys. What are some keys, in your opinion, for both teams, Georgia and Alabama, heading into this game that if we're going to win this, if we're going to beat the other team, if we're going to be able to move the ball against Alabama, if we're going to be able to stop Alabama, what needs to be done uh, in order to get a W? Yeah, you know, it does kind of harken back to that SEC championship game you're talking about where, you know, obviously it was really close and you guys almost pulled it out. And I, to me, I, you know, I just think we're truly seeing good on good. And, and there are a lot of similarities with what these two teams want to do. I think Alabama's offense is a little different now than what they were, obviously, even back at that point in time. And so there are some differences between what Georgia wants to do with truly running the ball the way that they run it. But uh, you know, for me, I'm not sure that Georgia has seen a front seven quite like Alabama's when it's healthy. But without Anthony Jennings, who was a huge part of that game, just creating pressure, just being in Kelly Bryant's mind, even when he wasn't actually making a play, uh, that helps Georgia a little bit. And, and I think Alabama's defense, I mean, what we saw against Clemson was just so incredibly dominant. Who knows if they have that in the tank with this quick of a turnaround? I think one of the biggest keys is who is actually fresh with a quick turnaround. And while Georgia has the advantage of being a little bit closer to the game, they obviously had to come all the way back from the West Coast. Um, so that's big to me. And, and I also think, too, that, you know, when you look at ways to give Alabama's offense issues, it's just trying to make Jalen Hurts uncomfortable. I mean, you guys can see it yourselves. He's still not that comfortable passing the ball. And I watched practice all week uh, there in New Orleans. And there were many times where, you know, in practice as well, and they're not even bringing that much pressure in practice, he was uncomfortable throwing the ball. And so I think if you can figure out a way to get him uncomfortable to where he doesn't have time, he doesn't necessarily even want to go to the second and third read anyway. But if he definitely doesn't have time to get there, then you force him to run and you might be able to catch him a few times. Now, some of those design quarterback runs are going to be hard to stop. He's hard to bring down. But I think that's going to be the most important thing for Georgia's defense. And then, you know, offensively, 
defensively, they've got to, as an O-line, as they have all year long, stand strong and protect Jake Fromm. This is an environment. Now, no environment so far seemed too big for him. This one, if one's going to get big, this would be it, right? So how can they give him the time and space to get comfortable, just complete a few passes early, make sure he's getting the ball to the playmakers? Uh, to me, that could be a big key. But I don't know about you guys. I'm so excited for this game. It's like you, you can convince yourself it's going to go one way, and then you think about something else, and you think, all right, well, no, maybe it's going to go this other way. I really do think it's going to be a back-and-forth classic. Yeah, there's no doubt. We're, we're extremely excited as well, and you make up a great point. You can talk yourself one way or the next, depending on how long you want to talk to yourself. So with all that being said, Laura, we need your prediction here on the Punt and Pass podcast. What's going to happen Monday? And uh, feel free to say whatever you want because we'll still like you either way. Yeah, you know, I I'm uh, not. I feel like I'm probably going to make a few different predictions before we get there. Right now, I would give Alabama a slight, slight edge because of Jalen Hurts' ability to run. But uh, that said, I do think this Georgia defense is going to be licking their chops, so it's kind of hard to really fully stick with that. Um, you know, one of the things too, guys, that I think is, is worth pointing out. Special teams is big always, but I could see it being huge in this one. And and one of the weapons that Alabama has to just keep your eye on is their punter because and Drew, you know this. I mean, I like some punter talk. You there you a, go. And punter talk. I'm telling you, he can put you in a situation where your field position is bad every single time. And they did have uh, th- that was. I mean, wasn't the main point in the game, obviously against Clemson, but Clemson was not able to get comfortable field position wise early on they were backed up constantly and and you know if you're a team that you know kind of wants to do certain things based off of where you are on the field which a lot of teams do uh that can be a struggle too so anyway there there are so many different ways you can look at this <laughs> i'm probably going to change my mind like seven times before the game and and who knows but uh it's going to be a great one all right i love it hey laura everybody can check you out on the paul feinbaum show you'll be there tomorrow we appreciate your time and appreciate your prediction one thing too if paul starts talking special teams let him know that he does not know what he's talking about and get me on there i'll gladly give you some kicker and punter talk and let you know what's going to happen on monday night but we appreciate your time and everybody will be able to check you out on sec network espn and the paul feinbaum show so thanks so much laura yeah thank you guys we'll see you there All right, well, that was awesome. Huge thanks to Laura Rutledge for joining us on the podcast today. She knows her stuff, and she's extremely talented, so we appreciate her spending some time with us. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram, at Laura Rutledge, and watch her on the Paul Feinbaum Show and SEC Network. Aaron, thought this was a really good podcast. Again, we will be at Big Sky and Buckhead tomorrow, Sunday, for brunch. We will be there at 1230, hanging out. I know we're going to have some special guests, so come chill. Come get your drink on. Let's hang, and we will be giving our predictions for Monday's game. Anything on the way out, Aaron? That's the big one. I got to start doing some maybe a little last-minute research right now, seeing what the deal is because this is a big one, obviously the biggest one of the year, so I want to make sure my pick is as accurate as possible. But just like I said last night at Sweetwater, if you're going to take one thing from me, take the under. Okay, nice little tease there. Nice tease by Aaron. We will be giving out our entire predictions tomorrow at big sky at 12 30 thanks to everybody who came out to sweetwater last night for our live podcast this has been a ton of fun thanks for listening we are at punt and pass on twitter and instagram aaron is at aaron murray 11 i am at drew butler 13 we will see you tomorrow sunday january the 7th at 12 30 big sky in buckhead see you then see you